There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lead with Empower podcast. We are joined by someone who is a tremendous leader in his own right right here. He has spent over 15 years in Division One men's college basketball and senior level college athletics administration. He also recently authored a book, Lead Like a Pro, Effective Leadership Styles for Athletic Coaches. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd love for you to give a warm welcome to Mr. Matthew Raidbard. He joins the Lead with Empower podcast. Matthew, thank you so much for joining the party. How are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Oh, likewise, likewise. And I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to join us. And um, between your you know, 15 years in, in high level athletics, and then also your, you know, your own athletic experience. I think uh, very excited to have you on and hear, hear your story and hear your thoughts on what it means to lead in sport and, and, and obviously beyond. Um, so, Hey, let's get right into it. So a year or so ago, you made the jump from the transition from working in uh, a college athletics department and you put an end to that you started your own um your own company raid Baird sports leadership consulting and you authored the book talk a little bit about um that that transition that leap of faith and, and give our listeners we're going to get right into it give our listeners a little bit of insight into the lead like a pro book and you know what was your motivation to put your experiences and wisdom, you know, into, in, on paper into a book as a resource for people that are out there coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I spent, uh, you know, 12 years as a, a men's basketball coach and, um, some years as an administrator. And, you know, I, I kind of had an evolution in my career. I, I went from in, in coaching, you know, I, I felt like I was able to have a really big impact on a small number of athletes, maybe 12, 15 athletes a year, but I I was able to have a really big impact on their lives. I felt, and, and that was awesome. That was fantastic. I I loved every minute of coaching. Uh, When I transitioned to administration, I realized that now as an administrator through programs, initiatives, different things we were doing in the athletic department. Now I could have a varying degree of impact, sometimes smaller, sometimes bigger on a lot of student athletes, 350, 400 student athletes, however many we had that year at the the school I was working. And then I kind of realized as I went through with administration and and got that experience that, you know, first off, you know, taking it back just one step quickly, I, I always felt as a coach, there weren't enough opportunities for coaches to gain leadership knowledge and tools to just be better and more effective leaders. Yeah. Um, especially ones that were coach specific, that were, that were directly from coaches who had experienced it. So having that in the back of my mind, I, you know, I'd been thinking about that and also about how, you know, through giving coaches leadership training through eventually writing a book and starting a, a company where I'm helping train coaches to be more effective leaders. Now I can not only affect those coaches leadership practice, but help them be better leaders and affect so many more student athletes all over the, the country. And it was really kind of that progression through my career and, and the kind of broadening of the scope of the effect that I could have on, on all of these, these athletes and coaches that really inspired me to write the book and start the business and really dive into this new, um, new chapter in my life, new venture in my professional career. No, that, that, that's great. And, and we're going to, we'll get into the, you know, some more specifics about the book as we work our way through the episode here. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, with empower and we, when we teach, teach leadership, we talk about the first level is the ability to lead yourself and, and lead yourself through challenge 
and adversity and, you know, set those personal goals and the, and the path towards achievement and, and, and do everything that you can to achieve those goals. Uh, you, your last stop in the, the athletics, uh, the college athletics world was at the University of Hartford. And you make this jump to, you know, into entrepreneurship, essentially. Talk a little bit about, I guess, that that process, both, I think, internally and with your support system to leave something that, you know, I think is most people would consider more stable for something that's a little bit more volatile, being out there on your own, you know, trying to start your own, your own thing, your own source from scratch. Talk a little bit about some of the, you know, internal battles that you might have faced and, and some of the discussions that you might have had with your support system and, and, and you know, to, to get you to the point where you made the decision to start your own business and, and, and author the book and, and, and be out on your own, I guess, as they might say. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've always been somebody who was a risk taker in my professional life. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to even the first decision that I made when I got into college coaching, um, you know, when I was kind of trying to break in right out of college, it had always been my dream to be a, a college basketball coach. And I was pursuing that in the last semester that I was an undergrad at Indiana University. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any, any friends or relatives who were in coaching. I had no um, connections to the profession. I just was trying to break in cold. And I actually, you know, over months and months of trying to get in, I ended up kind of having two opportunities come up at the same time. And one of them was at a, a division three school um, that was about 90 minutes from where I grew up uh, just outside of Chicago, Illinois. And the other one was at a division two school, Western New Mexico University in small uh, school in the Southwest corner of New Mexico. And, uh, you know, kind of going through that decision and, and thinking to myself, you know, I can go to this division three school, be an assistant coach, get into the profession, have a great opportunity. My friends and family can come and see me coach. I can, I can go home and, and see everybody and, and have this connection. But in the back of my mind, knowing that the better opportunity for me, both personally and professionally, was in New Mexico, yep. um, about 1,600 miles away. <laughs> and being able to, you know, talk that through in my head and just, you know, being willing to kind of take that risk and take that jump, um, you know, that was really something that it, it, it was a, a difficult process to go through. It was hard on my, my friends and family because I, I was making this difficult decision that was ultimately going to take me away. But it really set in motion this um, feeling in, in me and this belief that, you know, it, it, you have to be willing to take risks. Um, I think they should be calculated, well thought out and consulted with your support system, of course, be the best interest of you and your, your family and the people that are important to you. But Ultimately, the willingness to be open to exploring those risks, I think, is so important. That's something that's always been ingrained in me. And, and as I've kind of gone around the country working at, at different schools, different opportunities, um, that's something I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind. And, and when we were deciding myself, my family about, you know, this decision and, you know, going back two years, deciding to, to write the book and then eventually kind of branch out, you know, it was really just about kind of one, the, the belief in myself that I could do it, the belief in them that I can do it. And this was the right path for me. And then, but also knowing that, that I had put the work in, that it was yeah. not something that we were just jumping into blindly or cold that, you know, I had done a lot of the, the, a lot of work that was going to be really important in, in getting us started and, and influencing the ability for us to have success, um, you know, in the near future. And, you know, so it's kind of a combination of taking the risk, but also making sure that it's well thought out and a calculated risk that you don't set yourself up for a situation that you're not ready for or a situation that you're not going to, uh, the situation that you're not going to be successful in. Yeah, no, great point. And, and it, you bring up the idea of you know decision-making and risk-taking, a, a two-parter here. One, in, in your mind, from your perspective and experience, uh, why is, you know, maybe taking on some of those responsible or healthy risks, uh, why is that important for, you know, whether, whether it be a, a young, you know, high school or college athlete or, or, or a new coach getting into 
um, that profession? Why, why is, why do you feel that, you know, taking that risk is important for athletes and coaches? Yeah. You know, I think it opens you up to a lot of different ideas, perspectives, opportunities. Uh, you know, when you have that mentality, I think, and you're, you're kind of looking for new opportunities and ideas. I just think you get kind of a, a, a broader worldview, a broader perspective, a, a kind of broader professional outlook. It doesn't mean that every opportunity you have to take a risk, you should take it. Or, you know, I think it's a combination of, you know, it being right for you and, and those that are in your support system and also the timing of it, um, you know, your, how you feel your level of preparedness is. Um, do you think ultimately that this, this risk is going to lead to other places that are exciting or interesting for you? Um, so, but I think, you know, ultimately, whether you take the risk or not, it's really so important to just be open to exploring it, learning more about it. Uh, you know, I know it can be difficult and the idea of that risk can sometimes close people off. And I, I completely understand that it's yeah. happened to me in, in my professional life, but I really just try to stay open to at least hearing about it or doing some research on it or getting some other perspectives, because you'd never know when it's going to be right for you and, and you're going to be ready to, to go ahead and, and jump into it. No, that, that's great. Great point right there. And, 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 and the follow-up to that, Matthew is, is, you know, risk the, uh, you know, simple definition, like if I do this, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Right. And that, that unknown can be extremely scary for, for people in general. Um, in your, prior to leaving your athletics administration job and, and just over the course of your career in athletics, both as a, as a player coach and, a, and in, in administration, um, did you see athletes and the, the idea of being fearful of failure as a, as a prohibitor to, to success in some of those athletes or even coaches that you might've crossed paths with and, I guess, how do athletes build that resiliency up of, hey, fa failure is not the end of the world if it's, you know, a part of a measured risk and we get better from it. Like, how do athletes train themselves to maybe overcome that fear of failure and you know, be more open to risks that are out there that might seem scary because there's unknown, but there's also a lot of potential benefits that could come from taking on that risk? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great question. And you know, that's something I think about a lot. I think the first thing that I would, uh, would say is, you know, unknown is all is not always negative. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes the unknown is extremely positive. I think oftentimes, especially, you know, early on, uh, you know, in our, in our, in our lives, both professionally, but also in school. And when we're younger, um, there's a tendency to think of the unknown as negative. The unknown is often associated with with fear of the unknown, right? Not excitement of the unknown. Um, so I think it's about kind of shifting your perspective to say the unknown is the unknown. Yep. I don't know if it's, if it's going to be positive or negative, uh, but often also thinking on, on the same, along those same lines, sometimes the known turns out to be negative. The known can turn out to be positive. I think ultimately it's not prejudging the situation. It's not um, trying to guess what the outcome is going to be. Certainly you want to, you know, think about it, reflect on it, get advice, do research before you make any type of decision, particularly one where you're taking a, a big leap or a big jump. But ultimately, uh, you know, try not to prejudge those situations or try not to go into it thinking, well, this is going to be negative because you're, you're starting at a disadvantage. Yeah. You're, you're almost predetermining the outcome for yourself. Uh, and you're not really giving it a fair shot to say that, you know what, I'm going to go into this and I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to do all the background and I'm going to make the best decision I can for me. Um, and not go into it saying, well, I think this is going to be negative or this is going to be scary because ultimately at that point, you know, you've probably mostly made up your mind already. You've been out of the athletic administration and, uh, you know, on your own doing consulting. What, what do you miss most about working in that structure of an athletics department at a college or a university? Absolutely. It's the relationships, uh, the interactions with student athletes and colleagues. 
Uh, you know, I definitely miss that the most. I love working collaboratively. I love being part of a team. Uh, so I definitely miss that the most. It's something that I, I really am trying to cultivate through networking and building relationships and trying to figure out ways to collaborate with other people on, on projects or um, programs, initiatives, things like that. Um, to get back that sense of, of collaboration, teamwork, camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely what I, I miss the most. And, um, but, you know, ultimately that was why I got into coaching. So now that I've kind of taken on this new path, you know, it's about finding different ways to kind of fulfill that, um, you know, that need or that want for teamwork, camaraderie, collaboration. And I, that was kind of an unintended consequence of kind of moving out onto my own, but yep. definitely one now that I've realized, you know, I need to kind of figure out different ways to uh, make sure that I fulfill because it's really important to me. No, that's great. That's great. And, and so tell us a little bit about Raid Bard Leadership. Um, we have um, your website, raidbardleadership.com, which will be in the show notes and it's, or sports, I'm sorry, sports leadership consulting. Um, you wrote the book first and now you're getting into some of the consulting work. Have, have you seen some traction? You know, again, it's very early on in your, in your consulting and in your own entrepreneurship. Have you seen some traction with some of your consulting and what's been, you know, the thing that kind of continues to motivate and inspire you to chase it down and, and chase down this dream that you're, that you're in the middle of right now, Matthew? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what, you know, has kind of happened in my professional life has kind of come from, you know, a kind of snowball effect of decisions that I've made that I haven't really realized were going to be, were going to happen or were going to be outcomes, but have kind of presented themselves in the aftermath of decisions. So, you know, when I decided to write the book, I, I thought, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to focus on the book. Um, and hopefully that book is going to help coaches. Um, and then after, you know, once the book was coming out and I started getting feedback and after the book came out, getting more feedback and realizing, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities within the book to kind of branch out into other areas and expand off of it and take parts of it, parts of each chapter or different themes and create opportunities for, to give coaches training or yeah. education, um, different things like that. So the kind of the, the business side of it was an evolution of the book and realizing that, it, you know, that kind of opportunity to affect change and help coaches doesn't have to stop with, with giving them the book. It can continue through me creating more resources and opportunities for them to continue to get training and knowledge about leadership through, you know, different programs and, and things that I kind of come up with or have been inspired by the book. That's great. That's great. And again, it's, I think it's huge because you're, you're providing these coaches with, you know, content in the book and then, you know, to best learn that content and be able to put it into practice, some sort of physical experience or training um, is the, the logical next step. And, you know, to take, to help people take that next step of learning the content and then now applying the content into their day-to-day -day leadership. Um, the book lead like a pro effective leadership styles for athletic coaches without giving away all the tricks, right? <laughs> without giving away all the tips and pointers here, what are a couple of the key concepts that really resonate with you, Matthew, that, um, you feel like are maybe the most beneficial concepts, uh, in, included in the book for people that are into coaching? Yeah. So kind of the thesis of the book or kind of the, what I kind of go into establishing is that. Coaches are leaders, so and that's coaches at all levels of sports. Whether you're, you know, a, a parent who's a volunteer coach for your child's youth sports team, or a high school coach who's a teacher, college or professional coach, you're a leader. And all of the decisions that you make for your team and athletes are leadership decisions. Mm -hmm. it, it's not just the big decisions that that you know you that we kind of think oftentimes most affect winning and losing. It's all of the decisions. And it's, it's also not just those tangible decisions of, I decided to play this player, or I decided to run that play, or I decided yeah. to emphasize this at practice. It's what time do you show up for practice? How available are you for your athletes? What time do you leave afterward? You know, what is your communication style? Do you provide you know, a, a lot of praise? Do you provide 
feedback or corrections one-on-one? Do you do it in front of a big group? All of these are leadership decisions. They're informed by your leadership practice, and they're going to have an impact, not just on winning and losing, but on you know, the experience of your athletes and how they view not only you, but the sport, the team, um, you know, do they want to continue with it? You know, did they have a, a lot of fun and a good experience? So um, really trying to ingrain in coaches this idea that they are leaders and that all their decisions are leadership decisions uh, is really the kind of most important, what I want to establish up front in the book so that when coaches go into it, they're going into it knowing that I am a leader, my decisions are important, and now let's dive into how to establish your leadership practice so that you could be really effective with those decisions and in your position as a leader. Yep. Love it. Love it. And so what I, what I love about this most is, is you're, you're focusing on this impact coaches can have. And, you know, like anything that you do, the, the stronger the leadership from the coaches down to the, you know, through the assistants to the athletes and all the program stakeholders, you know, the stronger the program and the more likely you are to, you know, be part of successful seasons with, you know, wins versus maybe the seasons that aren't as successful as you would like. Um, but we also know, and there's tons of research out there, the percentage of people that play youth sports that go on to play competitively at the high school level is pretty small. And the percentage of athletes that play competitively at the high school level that move on to play high level collegiate athletics is smaller and then so on and so forth all the way up to the professional level. So the importance of coaching or coaches being positive leaders for their athletes really transcends the, the sport, the court, the field, whatever it might be. Um, in, in, in your mind, Matthew, how can coaches have an impact on people when they're when they're done playing the sport when they're done being part of that team when they've moved on to you know uh you know just being a student not a student athlete or just being an employee not somebody who's playing you know competitively at the college level how can coaches and their leadership impact athletes after their time in the program is over so you know that it's such an important theme and and and, and idea that you know coaches at all levels of sports are going to have an outsized impact or potentially outsized impact on their, their athletes, no matter what level, because ultimately so many of the skills you learn and traits you develop characteristics you acquire through sports are, you know, a part of your life forever. You know, working as part of a team is something that, you know, is going to happen throughout your life you know, in the workplace or through other activities or um, challenges that you take on, you know, leadership is going to be an important part of, you, of, you know, your life throughout, you know, your professional and personal life. Uh, so, so many of these characteristics are so important that you learn through sports and your experience positively, negatively, you know, from, you know, the smallest, you know, little age of youth sports, bitty sports is going to be impactful on you. I mean, having a, a really great experience, you know, I was fortunate that, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I, you know, when I was playing soccer, you know, one of the, my friend's dads was our coach and yeah. he was, he was great. He was really positive and uplifting. And he, you know, he had a really good communication style. And even though when I was, you know, five, six, seven years old, I wasn't thinking about those specific things he was doing. I was having a great experience because of it. And it really tied me to sports. Whereas, you know, I know that in other sports I've played where the coach has, has not been, um, you know, as, as positive or as uplifting, or maybe their communication style wasn't as good. You know, I haven't had as good of experience. Maybe I didn't stay with that sport. And I think we all know people like that or have had those experiences in our lives. So the impact that, that coaches have is, is so important and so um, outsized, particularly with youth sports, where, you know, if a, if a kid has a, a bad experience early on, you know, they might move away from sports or move away from a particular sport or move away from team sports, um, unfortunately. So it's so important that coaches really view themselves as leaders and, and they understand the importance of their leadership practice and the impact that it can have on, on their kids. 
Yeah, it, it it sounds like, and I and correct me if I'm wrong here, Matthew, but it, it the the coach's role goes, you know, especially at the youth level, high school level, goes far beyond a win loss record at the end of a season. Absolutely. I mean, th- the most important thing to me for youth sports is, you know, are the kids having fun? Are they having a good experience? Are they learning a, a few foundational skills every year that they could feel like they were successful? They learned something that they can build on. You know, those those aspects of, of coaching and playing sports are so important because, again, that's what ties you to a sport, yeah. Uh, especially early on and makes you want to continue with it and, and develop a love and a passion for it. Um, so, you know, emphasizing those aspects of coaching for youth sport coaches, I think is so important. And, you know, I, I, I understand and I, I agree that winning and losing is an aspect of the experience. And, and I want all kids to experience winning, but there's also a lot of value that comes from, from losing. There's a lot of experience that comes from winning one and losing one and winning one and losing one. And yep. those are all opportunities for coaches to, again, really instill these characteristics and traits in their, in their kids and, and really help them to understand what it feels like when you're facing adversity how to be humble uh, when you're experiencing a lot of success. There's so many learning opportunities from all those experiences. That's, that's a huge point, Matthew. And I'm going to, I'm going to follow up on that con that concept of, you know, you know, finding that balance and finding the lessons and the wins and the losses, the teachable moments and the wins and the losses. How, again, based on your experiences and, you've coached at you know, some pretty high level programs that I, I, I know soon you'll be also coaching at a, you know, really <laughs> introductory youth level um, mm-hmm. um, coaching, you know, I uh, believe one of your daughters. Um, how, do, how do you recommend coaches go about finding that balance of, you know, especially I think high, high level, high school, college level coaching, you know, you're, ability to sustain your employment at a particular institution a lot of times is determined by or at least partially determined by wins and losses how, how do you go about or how do you recommend coaches going about striking that balance of having a positive impact on the athletes running a successful program maintaining gainful employment as a coach it, it, it can't be easy yeah, it, it, and it's not, you know, it, it's really difficult. And, you know, it, it's, it's always changing year to year, kind of what the expectations are, what the responsibilities of coaches are. I would say, you know, first off, make sure that you have a really broad definition of success. Yeah. You know, if you only define yourself by wins and losses, it's going to be really hard to win because so much more goes into winning and losing than just X's and O's or coaching on the court. Um, you know, making sure you have a broad definition of success, you know, so, you know, at, at the college level, we always talked about, we wanted our kids to have a really great student athlete experience. Well, a lot goes into that besides winning and losing yeah. certainly winning helps their experience, but also building really strong relationships with them, helping them know that they're supported, that we care about them is extremely important. You know, making sure that they know we're invested in their success and their growth, learning and development as people, not just as athletes on the court, um, but people who we want to prepare for life. Uh, You know, those are extremely important aspects of, you know, building a a really strong program, a really strong, sustainable culture um, that's based on a lot of trust and respect uh, between coaches and athletes. So I would say, make sure you have a a broad definition of success. And, you know, ultimately, you know, winning and losing is, is a, is one measurable outcome, but there are so many more outcomes that coaches just intrinsically know, you know, I know if my kids generally are having a good experience, you know, their body language, how they communicate with me after they leave, are we still in communication? Are we still part, are we still a part of each other's lives? You know, there, there's other ways to tell, are your athletes happy? Are they invested? Are they, do they do they feel a strong connection to your program? Ultimately, just like in, in business or any other profession with coaching, you know, if there's strong buy-in, if there's really strong relationships, if there's a really formidable culture, all that's going to inform and really help winning and your opportunities to have success. 
but you can't just go in saying, I, my goal is to win as many games as possible. There's so many other aspects of that and goals and opportunities that you coaches need to focus on before they can even get to that, to that larger outcome, if that's what it is for them. Yeah, agree 100%. And, and for any coaches that are listening, like, hey, how do you find or why is it important to find time to build those, the, the, the positive culture and to fine tune not only your leadership skills, but the leadership skills of your athletes? Hey, you could have the most talented team, you know, in your, in your state from a high school basketball standpoint. But if they can't figure out a way to function together and, they don't buy into like the effort that, you know, uh, the effort that is required to prepare like champions and prepare like winners, you're never going to maximize that talent. And on the other side, you could have a group of maybe not so exceptional athletes, but who are, you know, from a physical tool standpoint, but athletes who, you know, don't shy away from challenge are as resilient as it gets. And, you know, are there to pick each other up, uh, their teammates up left and right. And we'll, go as hard in practice as they would in any competition, you are going to maximize their talents, in which case you're probably going to maximize the, 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 the win loss percentage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, talent certainly plays a role, but you know, talent doesn't guarantee anything. So, you know, again, I completely agree. If you don't have that strong culture, if you haven't taken the time to build relationships with your players, if you aren't holding players accountable if you aren't setting really clear expectations and standards, if you aren't doing all that other work, uh, you, it's ultimately going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to achieve the level of success that the talent um, really should dictate that you would have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said, Matthew. And so great stuff there. Again, the, the book is Lead Like a Pro, Effective Leadership Styles for Athletic Coaches. Did you... I, and I know in our pre-recording, our pre-podcast huddle, you talked a lot about how a lot of your experiences are intertwined in the book. Um, what Looking back and reflecting on your career as, a, as an athlete, as a coach in, in administration, was there something that stuck out to you as a surprise as far as, wow, I never really thought of this when I was in the moment and looking back on it now, it really you know, resonates as maybe a, a critical moment in your career or just a, a critical concept that you might've picked up along the way? Yeah, you know, throughout my career, I, I really felt like I understood the importance of leadership for coaches, coaches viewing themselves as leaders. Um, but it was something that I actually fell into. I, I really, you know, I wasn't somebody who um, really kind of understood the impact of leadership as a coach at the start of my career. Um, but I had kind of a, a, a seminal moment early on in my journey um, when I got the opportunity to go and, and be a coach at Western Mexico University, I uh, accepted that job. And I was so excited to be breaking into coaching. That was, that was, that was my sole focus. That's all I cared about was going and being a coach. And um but I was told by my head coach that before I could accept the job, I had to enroll in a graduate program. And, um, you know, that was the only way that I could also be a coach. And so I said, okay, no problem. You know, I, I wasn't really interested in, in graduate school at the time, but if that's what I had to do to, to be a coach, then I was going to do it. So, uh, you know, I quickly bought a book and took the GREs and sent my transcripts and applied. And I did all that, that great stuff. And um, I remember on my first day at Western New Mexico, uh, you know, I met with my coach and met everybody at athletics and, you know, had a really great morning. And then after lunch in the afternoon, I went to go meet with my advisor. And she told me that based on my undergraduate degree, which was in history and classical studies, that there was only two programs that I could get into. Uh, one was counseling and one was educational leadership. Yeah. And she, she put them side by side and we went through them kind of point by point and did a kind of pros and cons list. And we could see how both would be applicable to uh, me as a coach. Uh, and then at the bottom, it, it, each program had the timeline for um, going towards graduation. And the counseling program required six additional hours of a summer internship Whereas the education leadership program, I could complete in four semesters with no summer classes. 
So I chose educational leadership (laughs) and had no idea how important that decision would be on not only my kind of professional career as a coach, but my just career and life moving forward and having that opportunity early on to take all of those leadership classes and, and get a degree in, in leadership was so impactful. It was impactful for me at the time, but it's even more impactful going forward uh, on my coaching career, administrative career, ultimately going back to school to, to earn a doctorate in education leadership, writing a book, starting a business, all these things that I never imagined uh, would not have been possible without that decision. And, um, so I was just so fortunate that, you know, I made that decision. I had that opportunity and it's always been something that I felt was a catalyst for me feeling like there are not enough leadership opportunities, uh, for coaches. You know, I, I was lucky that I got a degree in coaching or excuse me in leadership, but that wasn't enough. I needed more, you know, leadership training and opportunities as I progressed through my career and, and they just weren't there. And ultimately you know, that was a big inspiration for writing the book. And it just would never have been possible if I didn't make that decision at the start of my career. Yeah, that's right. And it, and it ties back to something that you said early in the recording about that, that openness to exploring risk doesn't mean you necessarily have to take it, but being being aware of it is going to, you know, put you in a spot where you could, you know, you know set, set a course of your life that you would have never expected, but that you're, you know, you're obviously doing, you know, doing well in and something that you're extremely passionate about. And, I, I would bet that it probably doesn't feel like work on, on most days, which is a good thing. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> hey, so again, it's uh, the book is Lead Like a Pro, Effective Leadership Styles for Athletic Coaches. Could you define, is is there a target audience, Matthew? Uh, for co- Is it something that's really geared more towards the beginner coach or a more experienced coach? Or you know, do you feel like it kind of transcends the, the, the level uh, of your coaching experience? You know, I really tried to write the book as a menu, um, you know, kind of giving coaches, um, you know, kind of foundational leadership knowledge and the tools to practice the best leadership styles for them. I think all coaches, no matter what their level is, what their amount of experience is, um, could benefit from consistent leadership training, leadership education, evaluating their leadership practice. So, you know, I think whereas, you know, for new coaches, um, young coaches, um, coaches who are in youth sports that maybe haven't received a lot of leadership training specific to athletic coaching, I think it can be really impactful. Um, but also for coaches that have been in it a long time. And, you know, again, that, you know, athletes, their needs are constantly changing. They're changing faster and faster every year. Yeah. I think it's so important for coaches to, to keep up and continue to evaluate their leadership practice. So, you know, I, I think it's it's a book that can speak to coaches at a lot of different levels of experience and levels of sports. And I also think that, you know, for me, I wrote it through the, the coaching or the sports lens, yeah. but I think leadership is transcendent across all kind of professions and, and kind of opportunities. And, you know, so I, I encourage people, even if you're not a coach, uh, even if you're not in sports, but you're a leader in, in another profession, um, you know, that the, the book is still going to give you an opportunity to learn a lot about leadership practice and through another lens, which I think can also be impactful for people to get just a different perspective on leadership. Uh, absolutely. And Matthew, if there's been one recurring theme on the Lead with Empower podcast over the course of the you know, 45, 50 episodes, whatever it might be, is that leadership is like a lifelong learning journey, right? It's not something you just shut off and say, oh, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> Finished product. <laughs> so um, the fact that it's, it's open enough to be able to accommodate, you know, someone who's just getting into coaching or someone who's been in coaching, you know, for years is, is huge. And um, it's been great to hear about it. And my last question, how can people learn more and even purchase lead like a pro effective leadership styles for athletic coaches. Yeah. So the, the book is, a, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, everywhere people buy books. Uh, so I definitely hope, um, you know, people check it out and enjoy it. And, um, you know, everything that I'm doing and kind of offering to, to help coaches and continue their leadership training and education is uh, available on my website, Raid Bar Leadership. 
Nice. And now I'll make sure those are in the, the, the show notes there to the episode. And you've touched on quite a bit, the, the start of your coaching career. And we've talked a little bit about the transition from, you know, athletics administration to, you know, starting your own business. Um, let's hear a little bit about Matthew Raidbard, the, the, the young athlete. When, I know you mentioned early in the episode, you got into sports early on, you know, fifth, you know, five years old, kindergarten age. Talk a little bit about, you know, your up, upbringing in sports and some of maybe the early lessons from your youth and high school participation in competitive sport. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I got into sports very early. You know, I was playing soccer in, in kindergarten and, um, you know, I just, I just love sports. I, I was always drawn to sports, soccer, basketball you know, tennis, golf, whatever it was, if there was an opportunity to play, I was going to play. Um, you know, as I kind of progressed through sports, I, I realized that I gravitated towards team sports. Mm -hmm. uh, it just fit my personality better. I also kind of looking back on it can see different points in my kind of athletic journey where I was developing leadership skills. Um, you know, I, I was always somebody who um, I didn't really think about it at the time. I didn't really consider myself to be a leader growing up, um, but kind of looking back on it, I realized that a big part of my leadership practice now that was informed by you know my career as an athlete was leading by example through my behaviors. Yeah. Uh, even now, I'm not a, a very vocal leader. Uh, that's not really my style. Um, you know, I, I might say up front what I intend to do or what my plan is, but um, it's going to be backed up by a lot of actions. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not really going to be reinforced through my words or communication very often. And I definitely think that's something that I developed through sports as I went on, you know, I, I was never in any sport that I played, you know, the most talented or the most gifted. I never had the most natural ability, but I was always somebody who prided myself on just working the hardest, putting in the most time, um, just kind of a, a doing whatever it took mentality. Um, and that's something I definitely carried into my professional life as well of, you know, that kind of informs a, a big part of my leadership practice of I, I don't ask people to do things on my team or in the organization that, that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. Um, so there's just a, a bunch of, of really key components of my leadership style as a coach and an administrator that I, I can just reflect back on and directly see were impacted by my participation in sports and the development of myself as a leader and the, and the development of my personality as informed by sports. Nice. That's awesome. And, and, and next question is a little bit of a two-parter here. So um, when did you have the realization that a, maybe a career of coaching is much more realistic than a career as an athlete? And was there a coach that you had um, that maybe inspired you to chase down, you know, coaching at the competitive level as, as the, the start of your career path. So, you know, again, growing up playing all sorts of sports, um, you know, even though I wasn't the most skilled or gifted, one advantage I did have was that I was often the biggest. <laughs> um, and, you know, in eighth grade, I was six feet tall. And, uh, you know, I was generally one of, if not the tallest, you know, person on the team or in my class. And that was definitely an advantage for me. Uh, unfortunately, after that point, I didn't grow another inch. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, kind of realized when I was in high school that, you know, I love sports and, um, but I, I never, I never really saw myself as, um, you know, a, a great athlete or, you know, I, I don't even remember really seeing myself that much playing in college, maybe a little bit with, with soccer or something, but, yeah. but it was never really my, my dream. It actually, um, I actually transitioned pretty quickly into coaching and it actually wasn't a coach. It was actually a coaching experience that I had. Um, you know, I, I have a younger brother who's three years younger than me. And, um, you know, he kind of, you know, kind of was interested in a lot of the same sports that I was and had that same kind of passion and love for sports. And, um, you know, when I, when I was in high school, he, um, he joined a travel team and they needed a coach and my dad, um, you know, volunteered to, to coach the team. And 
my dad, you know, amazingly supportive at all of our events, you know, our, our biggest fans, um, you know, he was glad to do it, but he wasn't very interested in being the coach. He'd much rather be <laughs> in the stands as a fan watching, um, yeah. but he was happy to do it. Um, so he asked me to, to, to come to the first practice and help him out. And I said, sure, no, you know, I'll come and, and help you out. And um, after a few practices, uh, I was coaching the team. It just came very natural to me. I really enjoyed it, um, you know, working with with the with the kids and coaching them and, and giving them my knowledge. And uh, I always loved basketball. And um, you know, after, you know, we got to the the first couple of games and um, it went well. And my dad was able to go back to the sidelines where he wanted to be and um, root on the team. And I was able to stay on the bench and and coach the team and it just, the light bulb went off for me that, that coaching was actually my passion. And, um, you know, that, that became kind of my dream of now I, I wanted to be a coach and, um, loving college basketball. It just, that kind of all kind of culminated together in, in kind of developing this dream of what I kind of wanted to do when, when I got out of college and was ready to go on a professional journey. That's great. That's great. And, uh, it's, it's awesome too, that it was the, the family kind of, uh, that, that, that got you involved in it. The young, your younger brother participating in your dad's willingness to help, but maybe not, not so strong desire to be like the, the head dog on the bench there. So, <laughs> um, Indiana university after high school, you talk about the love for college basketball it had to be a great, I didn't play there, but I'm sure were you able to get into the, the environment and uh, get to games and just be part of that, you know, which at the time was, you know, you know, powerhouse, powerhouse college hoops. Talk a little bit about that. And did that, did your experiences as a fan at Indiana, maybe, you know, validate like, Hey, I definitely want to coach at the hot, you know, the college level, as opposed to youth or high school. Absolutely. Um, you know, what I kind of always watched on TV was really validated by the atmosphere of college athletics when I got to Indiana, uh, going to those games, the, the fans, the student section, um, you know, the packed houses, the big games against, you know, Michigan State and yeah. Purdue. It was it was unbelievable. And, and yeah, absolutely. It definitely reaffirmed just my love for college athletics and just the, the special and unique nature of college athletics and just wanting to be a part of it was definitely reaffirmed while I was in Indiana. That's great. That's great. And then looking back on it, Matthew, what, if you look at, look back on your, you know, your first handful of years as a coach, um, what didn't you know then that you wish you knew um, that, you know, would have made you maybe a little bit more effective earlier on in your career? Well, I definitely think it would have helped if I knew that I didn't know everything. <laughs> um, you know, er, early in my career, I, I had all the answers. Uh, if I didn't, if I didn't have the answer, I quickly found what I thought was the answer. Um <laughs> Yeah, I definitely was was eager um, to kind of establish myself as a coach and build my credibility. I definitely had a chip on my shoulder because I wasn't a college athlete. Um, you know, it was definitely something that I went in thinking that that kind of passion and work ethic was an advantage and kind of quickly realized that I needed to scale it back and pick my spots and really understand what it meant to, that being a coach was not always about you know, providing all of these answers that, that may or may not be right, just so that I could say that I contributed something. Um, it was really about being much more thoughtful, really thinking through problems, trying to find meaningful solutions, working collaboratively, understanding that I don't always have to be the one who gives an answer or yeah. provides a solution, that being in a supporting role, helping others, um, you know, on the staff come to those conclusions, uh, or find those answers was also extremely important. And, and that's part, that's working part of it as being part of a team. So I kind of had to, to kind of understand that, you know, that enthusiasm, that, um, work ethic, that kind of go-getter mentality while important, um, couldn't be the defining feature of me as a coach. I had yeah. to mature. I had to grow up. I had to learn what it took to be a professional coach. Um, because, you know, oftentimes throughout my career, I'm, I'm working with coaches that have been in the profession for 
20, 30, 40 years, this is their livelihood. This is, this is what they do as a profession. This is what their families depend on. And, you know, you know, it's one thing to uh, want to contribute and be enthusiastic, but it's another thing to go and, and tell them, no, this is actually the way that we should do it. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you don't, you, you have to earn that right. You can't just go in and say, um, yep, I'm here. And these, these are the answers that I have. So um, let's go out and do them. You have to, you know, you have to kind of earn your stripes and take your lumps and learn from your experiences and be humble learn how to listen, learn how to accept coaching. Um, you know, just all of those things I wish I kind of knew early on, but you know, most, most coaches, young coaches don't. And, um, I think it's ultimately how we respond and react to some of those early lessons and early conversations with your, um, your fellow coaches that are ultimately going to shape, you know, whether you're successful or not in the profession and also whether or not you have longevity. Love it. Love it. And on the converse of that, looking back on young Matt, young coach, Matthew Raidbard, what was a a leadership strength that maybe you didn't even know that you had, but looking back on it now was, was a, 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 a tool that allowed you to maybe overcome some of those shortcomings, you know, all those, you know, that you might've had as a, you know, a, a inexperienced coach it was definitely my ability to build personal relationships with my players. Um, you know, that was something that was, it's always been extremely important to me. That was the the most important thing as a coach was I, I, I I knew I was lucky that, you know, even though at a a young age and a, a low level of experience, I understood one that, um, I could not build those relationships based on the, the players thinking I was their friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also that those relationships take time and they're earned and they need to be based on trust and respect. Um, you know, I always felt like when I was even coaching my brother's team that, um, you know, I always felt like I understood the balance between players liking me and players respecting me, mm-hmm. um, that, that I could give praise and the players could feel good about it and supported, but I could also give corrections in a direct and decisive way. And they would listen to them and go make those corrections because they trusted me. Um, I always felt like that was a, a big strength of mine. I think that was something early on that really carried me through a lot of the ups and downs in my career as I learned how to be a coach. Because ultimately, even though I was making you know a lot of mistakes in terms of you know when I should say things, what I should say, what I should do, what my responsibilities were, where are the boundaries, you know, all those kind of typical things. A lot of a lot of mistakes young people make in any profession earlier in their careers is they're feeling they're feeling out their way. You know, I always had those relationships with my players. And so I think my fellow coaches, you know, other administrators, you know, anybody who kind of was looking at, at, at me as a coach and looking at our program knew that even though I was making mistakes, ultimately I cared about my players and we had these relationships where there was trust and respect and, and everything I was doing ultimately was with their best interest in mind. Love it. Love it. And again, another, I think, theme that's been very common in the, the, the Lead With Empower podcast is just the importance of relationships and the, the importance of, you know, building trust and respect through your, your interactions over the course of time. Um, and that really is it, it, really what defines your ability to influence, your ability to lead, whether it's in sport, uh, in a school, uh, in, a, in a corporate office, et cetera. Um, again, ladies and gents, this is Matthew Raidbard. He is the founder of Raidbard Sports Leadership Consulting, author of Lead Like a Pro, Effective Leadership Styles for Athletic Coaches. He is a gentleman with over 15 years of high-level college basketball coaching experience, senior-level college athletics administration. Matthew, again, thank you so much. We're going to wrap things up with a few uh, quick hitters here to close off the episode. Um Give, give us an example of when your leadership uh, failed you and what you learned from that experience. Yeah. So, you know, again, like, like, we've, I, like I've talked about, you know, it's um, kind of reliving my kind of early experiences as a coach. Um, you know, when, when I was first starting off in coaching, I, I really, um, I really, saw myself as a transformational leader. I, I really 
believed in inspiring and motivating my athletes. And I had this, um, this view of myself as this transformational leader who through my motivation and inspiration was going to um, help my players achieve, achieve these transcendent heights of, of athletic ability. And while I think that that's, I, I know that's an important concept, uh, I didn't know how to actually go and do it. And so I went out um, trying to practice transformational leadership early in my career. And I, I basically went out and I told my players, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how to do it. Now go do it. Yeah. And um, when they did it, I was very effusive in my praise and I was so happy for them and I was exuberant. Um, and I couldn't figure out why I was having very different levels of success with different athletes, why some athletes were going out and, and taking my instructions and achieving it. And we were all happy at the end and why others weren't. And uh, I had to learn that, you know, not every, you can't coach every athlete the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And some athletes need different levels of transformational leadership in my case. So some athletes, when I was not giving them encouragement or motivation along the way, were becoming discouraged. Um, you know, they were, why is coach, you know, why is coach not saying anything? Why is, you know, I need a little extra help. Where's coach? Um, and I was just kind of on the sidelines watching them. And I, I had to learn through that experience that, you know, I need to really take into consideration the needs of every athlete, understand that they're all unique. That doesn't mean that I'm going to coach everybody with a different leadership style. It just means I need to alter or change my approach within my leadership style to make sure that I'm addressing everybody's individual needs. Yep. Yep. Love it. Love it. Um, next question. Uh, a moment of leadership success early on in your career that uh, has had a major impact on you uh, to where we are currently. Yeah. You know, I, early in my career, when I, I was really focusing on, you know, building relationships with my players, you know, when I got to Western New Mexico, um, you know, we had kind of a mix of, of new players, returning players. And we had one player who was a, a junior college transfer. He had been in college two years and, and now he was coming to Western New Mexico as a junior. And, um, you know, we, we butted heads a lot. Um, you know, he was kind of stubborn. I was kind of stubborn. Um, you know, he would do things that I felt like weren't meeting the team standard expectations. I would tell him, uh, try to hold him accountable. Um, and, you know, I, I really felt over time, like we, we just didn't have a good relationship. We weren't getting along very well. I, I felt, you know, discouraged at times, like I wasn't getting through to him because we kept having these same types of conversations over the course of his two years. And, um, you know, when we got to the time where we were both moving on, I was going to do another job and he was graduating, um, you know, kind of when we were saying goodbye, he came to me and he, he just, he said, you know, he thanked me for everything I did for him and believing in him and, and always working with him and coaching him, even when it could be difficult. And I, I just had no idea the impact that I was having on him the entire time that, that two years, <laughs> I felt like we didn't have a good relationship um, and that I was a failure. And ultimately it taught me that, it, you know, again, being true to yourself, being authentic to who you are as a leader, is, is important, but also making sure that, you know, you are continuing to hold players accountable. And because the most important thing that I, I realized was it, it didn't matter. It wasn't, I wanted him to like me. I wanted us to have a good relationship, but the most important thing was, was that I was preparing him for life by yeah. holding him accountable, by holding him to our team standards. That was more important. And what I realized was ultimately by doing that, we did build a meaningful relationship. It didn't look the way that some of my other relationships that I thought were really good with players on the team were, but that, that doesn't mean it wasn't a good and impactful and important relationship. And that was just a really important moment for me early on to realize the impact that I'm having and how I, I shouldn't judge that impact before, you know, I ultimately find out you know, what's going on from the, the player's perspective. It's not all about how I view it. It's also about how they view it. And he ultimately viewed it very positive. And I was, I was just so um, glad and, and touched by that. That's awesome. That's, and, it, and I think it's a lesson of uh, 
it's not always going to be the immediate gratification either, right? There's that prolonged, yeah. there's that patience. And eventually you'll see, you know, the, the, the results of the hard work put into that relationship and that leadership. Um, someone who inspired you uh, pre-college and then someone or something that inspires you uh, to date to, to do what you do and do it well. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, growing up playing sports, when I was in um, junior high school, I had a coach who coached me in soccer and basketball. And um, he just, you know, he, he really believed in me. He had a lot of trust in me, uh, really empowered me to, to be a leader, uh, to take on a, a leadership role. Um, you know, and it was just really important. And it, it taught, it just really taught me the impact that coaches can have when they, when they really care about their athletes, when they, when they really believe in them and when their athletes really feel that embrace it and accept it. Um, it was just, it was really impactful for me and it really helped build my confidence as an athlete and a leader, um, knowing that he believed in me and, and really cared about me as a, as an athlete and as a person, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of once I, I got into my professional career, you know, for me, you know, I've always obviously admired a, a lot of different successful coaches. I always admired Pat Summit and uh, Gino Ariama and Mike Shashevsky and um, and I, you know, I certainly have great admiration for them as coaches, and I feel like I've learned a lot observing them. Um, you know, for me, when I was a, a coach at Chicago State University, uh, my head coach. Um, just had a, a huge impact on me, uh, not only as a coach, but even more so as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he really taught me the importance of loyalty, uh, which I think is something that, um, you know, I didn't entirely understand or value before, um, you know, I worked for him. Um, I understood the, the importance of, of, you know, caring about your players and making sure that you demonstrate that through your actions at all times. Um, you know, he always used to say that, you know, you know, you need to make sure that you show your players, you care about them and you're invested in them before you could expect them to go do anything for you. Yeah. Um, they've got to know that you care about them, that, you know, you, you, you really care about them as, as athletes and people. And, um, so I really learned some just amazing life lessons from him that, I've taken, you know, not just in coaching, but, you know, you know, into my life and, um, you know, who I am as a dad and a husband and a friend and a son and, um, just so impactful and, um, you know, really just, I definitely indebted to him for, uh, you know, the mentor that he was for me. That's fantastic, Matthew. Thank you. And last question here for, um, for anybody that's considering, you know, getting into coaching or who's, you know, just starting their coaching journey, um, a bullet of advice here from based on your experiences for those that are listening and trying to get into coaching. Yeah. So uh, I'll say two, two things. One is, you know, really ask yourself and think a lot about why you want to get into coaching and not only why do you want to get into coaching? Why do you want to get into coaching at the specific level, the specific sport, you know, really understand the why behind, you know, the the path that you want to embark on. You know, for me, it was about thinking, you know, why do I want to be a coach? Why do I want to be a men's basketball coach? Why do I want to work with college age kids? You know, and really looking in depth and reflecting on why you want to do that. That's ultimately going to be so impactful and informative of your leadership practice, Mm -hmm. because the, the second part of that is, Okay. Also think at the same time, what is most important to me as a leader? What are my values and beliefs? Oftentimes those are going to overlap. And that's why you want to pursue that, that specific career as a coach. So for me, you know, I, I I wanted to work with college age kids because I wanted to build relationships with them. And I wanted to have a really strong impact on, you know, the, the people that they were becoming and the journey that they were going to embark on after they left college. Well, a really one of the most important aspects of my leadership practice and, and the foundational belief of my leadership practice is the importance of building relationships with my athletes. So, you know, that crossover, that, that connection is so important. It's, it's informative about 
you know, the leader that you're going to become, but it also reaffirms that you're on the right path for where you're heading in your career. So I always encourage coaches really focus on those two things early on, and that's going to help you get that leadership direction, that leadership path. That's going to help you find your footing as a, as a young coach. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Matthew, man, that was uh, phenomenal. Pre- really appreciate you joining us on the lead with empower podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Matthew Raidbard. He leads with Empower. He is the founder of Raidbard Sports Leadership Consulting, author of Lead Like a Pro, Effective Leadership Styles for Athletic Coaches. You can learn more about the book and his consulting services at raidbardleadership.com. You can also follow Matthew along on Twitter at Coach Raidbard. Matthew, really appreciate it. And um, for those of you that tuned in, thank you so much. And uh, if you walk away from this episode with, you know, one um, you know, major takeaway, it's that just that, that importance of relationships and that importance of, you know, building the respect, building the trust and the impact on your ability to lead. Thank you again for tuning in. We will catch you on the next episode of the Lead with Empower podcast. Take care, be safe and get after it. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.